It's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. We're back for another Continental Catch-Up edition of the Ghost Goal Podcast. We got bored over the international break and we want to talk about something other than Premier League. So we're going to run through uh, the rest of Europe's top five leagues, talk about major things going on in each one since we last discussed them, and uh, then we're going to give couple picks for young players and uh, players in general we'd like to take at our clubs. Uh, I'm Alex, here with Javier once again. Thanks for uh, coming on the pod again, man. Appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your busy Tuesday night of uh, Thanksgiving week. Let's start at the top with Spain. Big things happening in Spain. Real Madrid, since last time we spoke, have fired Julian Lopetegui after a hard run of games that uh, dropped Real Madrid out of the top four. Uh, they didn't and- score four games. In La Liga. Yeah, and something like, like that. Won like two Champions League games or something. It was atrocious. <laughs> it was, ugh, I mean. Not great for any team, let alone uh, one of the richest teams in world football. Uh, the richest. So since then, yeah. they've hired uh, they hired Santiago Solari from uh, Real Madrid B, I believe, uh, to come in. And he originally was their caretaker manager. Four games later, four wins later, he's been made permanent. Uh, permanent manager of Real Madrid for until I think 2021. Though I did hear that there was some sort of snag in his initial deal he made as a caretaker that said they had to make a decision whether they were going to keep him as permanent or not after 20 days. So they were coming up to that 20 day deadline and had to make a decision. And four wins, even if it's not against great opposition, doesn't lie. They've, they're now four points behind Barcelona in uh, sixth place. There's a little bit more in the discussion now than they were under Lopetegui. So uh, we can start reconsidering Real Madrid's season. But Barcelona have been having their own struggles. Uh, I do just want to talk about this really quickly uh, before we jump to these uh, these player categories. What, what do we think is wrong with Barcelona? Their, their most recent result uh, before the international break was a home loss to Real Betis, something like 4-3, something like that. High-scoring loss, they got blown off the park. Uh, and they, they face a tough test away at Atletico Madrid, who are currently third right now. Uh, this weekend on, on, on Saturday. So what do we think is wrong with Barcelona? I think Barca, I mean, other than the Messi injury, um, which didn't really seem to hamper them, I think they won every game uh, after he was out. Um, I think that once they integrate him back in the team, I think that they're going to get get back on track. Um, and I don't, I don't, I think their early season struggles are more down to the manager. I think that, you know, uh, players like uh, Malcolm and, even Usman Dembele have been complaining that they're not getting enough minutes, and it's probably the case. Um, I think, uh, as well as in the midfield, I mean, Rakitic just played almost every minute. Uh, I think you need to maybe rest him a little bit. You don't want him to get a big injury, you know, going into the the festive period. I mean, they do have a break in Spain, so you can kind of maybe wear the players out a little bit more because they have that recovery time. But I think if they... I think that that they there are two losses this season that have been not against great opposition and they've kind of shot themselves in the foot. So 
I think that's more on the on the manager than it is um, on the players. I think they have the players to do it. I just think that they're not being used correctly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny that I'm asking the, the question even like, what's wrong with Barcelona? Because they're obviously they're first, in first yeah. place. It's it's not it's not a big lead. They have a one point lead over Sevilla, Atletico, and surprisingly Deportivo Alavés, who've been uh, who great have 23 this points. Yeah. Yeah, another surprise. surprise team I didn't mention at the beginning was uh, Espanyol, also in Barcelona. They're in fifth on 21 points, one point ahead of Real Madrid. So it's, we'll, we'll see if Alaves and Espanyol can keep up the pace with the uh, rest of these like perennial top four teams. But Barcelona, there's still like some pretty key roles in that team that they're trying to, I guess, sort of find replacements for. Namely, Iniesta, who like, you know, he obviously wasn't the same player in his last like year or two, but he was still a huge influence on connecting the midfield and the forward line. And they, they have obviously Messi and Coutinho, but I think Coutinho especially is still playing like pretty well, but he's kind of struggling to find his like really defined like role in this team where Messi's obviously going to get his touches and get his one touch pass and move and everything like that. And Suarez will get his goals, but it's still to be determined like where in the plan Coutinho kind of fits in. So him and also I think Arthur, who we all know is like a good player, but is still trying to find his his role in this team next to Busquets. There's like just there's some very little things that need to be ironed out for the before this team is like purring at a hundred percent. So let's move to our young player from La Liga that we really like, player maybe you haven't really heard of. If you have, then good job. You're watching a lot of soccer. Uh, Javier, who's your young player in La Liga that has tickled your fancy? An Argentine midfielder. Um, he plays center mid as well as uh, center attacking mid. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso he plays on Real Betis. He's on loan from PSG, um, but it looks like Bet- Betis is going to make that permanent. I think they had the option to, to make it permanent, and they say they're going to do it. Um, so they're just trying to get that paperwork sorted. He's, he's pretty much permanently a... Betis player, but he has, um, I think he has he has a couple of goals in the league and or, or no, scored against Barcelona. I believe. Yeah, no, uh, I believe so. And he had, uh, no, he had he had a really good assist, but he's he scored a bunch of times in Europa, and they've looked really good in Europa League. They haven't looked great in the league. I think they're like in eighth place or so, um, but they have gotten a big, like you said, a big win against Barcelona, uh, and. Yeah, I think Lacelso. He's one to watch. He obviously came from PSG, and you know this Betis team lo- looks like a place that he's going to be thriving in the coming years. What about you, Alex? Who's your uh, Who's your young player? Atletico Madrid signed a midfielder from Villarreal this summer that I looked at and thought, oh, maybe in a couple of years that'll come off. But uh, Rodri, he's a young Spanish center midfielder, defensive midfielder mainly, kind of in the same role as uh, Gabi, who used to patrol that midfield. Uh, before he retired, signed him from Villarreal for twenty-five million dollars or pounds or euros or whatever they're using, and uh, he's really impressed me. He's just like your typical deep-lying Spanish center midfielder, and I feel like he's gonna get, he's gonna be lost in the shuffle a little bit this season because there are so many players in that position, especially in Spain. So many players in that deep-lying role that can control a game with their passing and uh, just solid in their in their tackles and and defensively shielding defenses. He's kind of like the heir to a Sergio Busquets. Now, I don't know if he's going to end up being like one of the best all time like Sergio Busquets, but I think he could be another one of those really dependable, reliable 
uh, Atletico Madrid midfielders, and you know, along alongside the likes, that would be um, that would be incredible if he comes anywhere close to Busquets. Yeah, I mean, if it's a nice young crop of Spanish midfielders that Atletico have, including Coque, who can play there. Uh, Sal Niguez is a bit more of an attacking midfielder, but they've got a, a good uh, young group coming through to take the place of that really great generation that got to so many Champions League finals and won the league. So let's move on to our player that we would we would realistically like to have brought to our clubs from uh, La Liga. Javier, who do, who do you think Arsenal would benefit most from uh, getting? Um, I would. I don't know if this is the player that I would, they would benefit most, but I would love to have him is uh, Sergio Roberto. I guess Got- we should clarify. Sorry. Because we, we're not like thinking of, you know, Lionel Messi, Antoine Griezmann, right, exactly. and all of these. Gr- we're still thinking of players that are a bit lower on the rung in terms of uh, quality or like the stage of their career, but we think they can maybe take that next step if they moved to, uh, if they made another move. So, yeah, Sergio Roberto, what you were saying about? Yeah, I mean, he's just, he, he does get a good amount of game time at Barcelona, but he's been in and out of the team the last couple of years, and he's a player that I would love to have in the midfield. He has... He, four assists and he's so versatile i think he's great defensively great in transition and um i think he's a very underrated player so i I would like to see him two moments that stand out to me uh from sergio roberto obviously the winning goal against psg when they came back from four nil down from the first leg he'll always be remembered at barcelona for that and the second moment i'll always remember him for was two seasons ago against real madrid in uh, at the bernabeu when messi scored that goal to, uh, to make it 3-2 in the last minute and then hung his shirt up for everyone to to look at sergio roberto was the player that broke the press beat a couple of players and made, made like the releasing ball to uh, uh, i think it was jordi alba who squared it for messi but that play like made me sit up and go wow sergio roberto if he leaves Barcelona, I would love him at Chelsea. So I think that's a pretty fair pick. Uh, my player would probably be Thomas Partey. I've waxed lyrical about him plenty to you. Maybe not as much on this podcast because we, we we tend to stick to the Premier League. But I think he's like the heir to Michael Essien. He's a do-it-all midfielder. Who, If you haven't seen him play for Atletico Madrid yet, you're not looking close enough because he does all of the little things that you ask of a defensive midfielder, like a box-to-box midfielder. He can play in any position. He played right back against Arsenal for large stretches of that uh, Europa so League semifinal. He was so good against us in that. He in was unreal. Legs. They were down to ten men in the first leg pretty early on from a mistake. You couldn't he tell. Slots in, he just slots in it right back, and they just right. still kept you. I think you guys scored once or something, but he's excellent. He's a truly great player. Ghanaian player plays for Ghana, his national team, a little bit further forward as like an attacking midfielder and gets plenty of goals. Uh, but for Atletico, he's just. He just he's a lunch pail player, and I would love to have him at Chelsea for sure. Let's jump to Germany, which is a very much more interesting situation than last time we uh, spoke about them on a continental catch-up. It's actually exciting. We, okay, so earlier we were like, can Dortmund do it? Can Dortmund sustain their challenge with the league? And a couple weeks later, they're fresh off the back of a 3-2 win at home in De Klassiker against Bayern Munich. They now sit seven points ahead of them. Top of the table on 27 points. Next closest is Borussia Mönchengladbach. And Bayern are down there on 20 points. Down in the dumps. They've got three losses already this season. Uh, It's not looking good for them. But Dortmund have adjusted well to Lucien Favre, I feel like. Yeah, defensively, they've shown up 
Axel the Witzel's, the Witzel, Witzel's been that. massive for them. No, no, they, obviously not. With they found I mean, that perfect balance. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. They they look awesome this season. Other than that one uh, three nil thrashing, Atletico gave them to return <laughs> return the favor back to them. Yeah, uh, I mean, they've looked well, they've looked great this season. So, but then obviously you have to bring up the four nil thrashing they gave Atletico at home. Exactly. So. That's what I mean. Just returning the favor. So I, I don't think you can put too much into that game. It just feels like it's really uh, it's good to see them adjust quickly. I thought it was going to be a bit more of a project for Favre. I didn't think they'd be doing this well this early. What character to like come back in that derby though after being down like twice against twice down against one a team nil like Bayern? If you're with those players, you must have been thinking, you know, oh shit, you know, here comes Bayern. You know, they always do this. Not I'm again. sure all the fans yeah. were thinking it, right? Right. But their comeback just kind of. I think breathes the life back into the league. And the fact that some of these other teams are doing really well and are all in and around uh, Bayern is just makes it that much more exciting. I think Gladbach are doing super well. Thorgan Hazard, I think we're going to talk about him more a little bit later, but he's doing super well. Defensively, they're doing well again. It seems like that was their bread and butter, you know, in the last few seasons and they've gotten back to that. So, you know, happy to see them doing well. Yeah, Munchen Gladbach, like you said, Hazard and uh, I think we mentioned Playa on a previous Continental catch-up. Uh, both of them playing excellently up top, getting bags of goals and plenty of assists. But it's been their midfield that I think is a little uh, a little underrated that has stepped up too. Oliver Newhouse and Jonas Hoffman, two young German players who uh, were kind of dismissed from uh, from like the German national team conversation, but they're starting to kind of work their way back into that uh, discussion. They're a little bit older, so they're not like one of the young players we talk about. They're like 24, 25. But their midfield is definitely something that's helped improve them and got them to this uh, to this part of the table. RB Leipzig, I feel like they've gone under the radar too. No one's really talking about them. Yeah, only one loss, but the, those four draws, that's just, that's a lot of draws to have. And it hasn't been, some of those draws haven't been against great teams. So I think they're a little bit underperforming. Yeah, their best players aren't really playing at their. They're kind of like the Tottenham of this uh, of this league right now, where they're underperforming but still getting results to keep them in the right conversation. You're like you're not saying, you wouldn't say RB Leipzig RB Leipzig are having a bad season. You just would say they need to improve because they've really struggled to adjust to Nabi Keita leaving and having a few other players in similar positions like Kevin Campbell, Timo Werner. We mentioned. Bruma, the Portuguese winger, those players have been asked to step up. And while they haven't played badly, you expect a little bit more from them. But, you know, hopefully RB Leipzig stay in that top four, top three discussion so that we see them again in the Champions League next year. Uh, Fourth place, Eintracht Frankfurt, who have not struggled, it seems, uh, after losing Niko Kovac in the summer to Bayern Munich. They currently sit level with Munich uh, on 20 points and ahead of them on goal difference. You had a couple players that you uh, liked from Frankfurt, right? Are you going to talk about them a little bit later when we discuss our young players and players we're going to grab, or do you want to say talk about them now? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I would. I'm going to say that I would take Luka Jovic at Arsenal. Um, he's a 20 year old, six foot three, versatile striker who scored five goals in a game earlier this season. Alexander uh, Mitrovic is very nervous. A fellow Serbian striker. He, uh, him and uh, Sebastian uh, Haller, Haller. Uh, I'm not really sure how to say that name, but um, he has eight goals and five assists. They're both, they're number one and two in the goal scoring uh, for Bundesliga. They both have more goals than, you know, Lewandowski, um, Alcacer, uh, some of these other uh, players that have been scoring a lot of goals. 
and you know both of them you know they they both look to be propelling uh this frankfurt team to possibly champions league this year and that would be something that you could never you'd have never thought possible for this team um but yeah i mean it looks like they're at least europa league level and if they can keep a hold of these players for a couple years you know they might be able to build something yeah they're definitely on my list of teams to uh watch a little bit more as the season goes on because most of their games are pretty exciting high scoring affairs yeah they're fun to watch fifth place is Bayern Munich another team that's uh, been fun to watch uh, just to hate watch them this season watch them struggle to adjust to uh, admittedly just some of their key players aging and some of their younger players either struggling with injuries or not living up uh, not living up to their their billing so far uh, we've we've gotten a resurgence of Renato Sanchez, which is nice, but probably not enough. Uh, Serge Gnabry has looked okay, but overall Bayern have uh, struggled defensively. I, I think I don't know if they ever expected Boateng and Hummels to drop off a cliff the way they have. Uh, luckily, yeah, they it's do been have... pretty shocking for them how how bad those two have gotten, uh, especially this season. And he shows how good of a player Quarantine Tolisso was in the second half of last season for them, because he's been injured for most of this season, and their midfield really hasn't looked the same. They've had to play Alaba left back because uh, of injuries and uh, Juan Bernat leaving, so that takes him away from that role. And instead, now they have a pretty young core of like the likes of Goretzka and uh, Tiago got injured a couple weeks ago and is going to be out for a while, so that's another player they lost in the middle of the park. Sanchez has played in there a bit. They, they've struggled, and we haven't even talked about uh, Ribery and Robin clearly showing their age. The fact age. that they are still starting for them. I mean, Serge Gnabry has made um, you know a few starts this season and has looked good, but the fact that they didn't go out and actually buy uh, a, a big player to replace one of those two wingers and to not have to you know play them week in and week out in the Bundesliga, you know they must they they they, they must have thought that that was going to be enough to win the league this year, but it looks like they're going to have a lot more trouble with that on their hands. And Lewandowski doesn't look happy. Um, I think he has seven goals, but that's pretty slow for him for this point in the season. And you'd expect more from from Lewandowski as well. It looks like the entire team's just kind of underperforming. And hey, you know it's kind of nice to see Bayern doing that. It's, it's it sucks that they just you know run over the league every year. So it makes the Ooh. Bundesliga interesting for the first time in a little bit. Uh, right. Sixth place is Hoffenheim. They're doing pretty well. I'm pretty impressed with them. Uh, the four losses surprises me. I feel like every time I watch them, they're usually winning. But that must be a more recent thing. Uh, let's have this bleed over into our young players we want to, uh, we would that we like uh, discussion because I I can see that yours is uh, one that's already very close and dear to your heart from Hoffenheim. Yes, Reese Nelson. He has six goals in the league for Hoffenheim, and I think one or two in Champions League. So he's kind of been a revelation for them. And obviously for Arsenal, too, to have a player um, who we were playing at wing back under Wenger actually get played in position and play for a team, a high level team like this, um, getting, I mean, just absolutely invaluable minutes. It was similar to what Chelsea did with Christensen at Gladbach and Gladbach. I think the second year, did he get he got Champions League in his second year, right? He had Champions League both years. Both yeah. Years. Okay. Yeah, and that's I mean that that's that's excellent experience for for a young player, um, especially attacking players. So uh, I mean, Jaden Sancho is permanently on Dortmund, but the fact that we're loaning him out and he's getting game time like this and and you're talking about Reese you know, Nelson is being yes, loaned being out. under yeah. being under a coach like Nagelsmann is um, is only going to be massive for a player like him. 
and I would love the him to stay there, you know, till the end of the season, and then and then come back and hopefully be uh, be a player for next next season, because we we do need uh, some wingers, and if he's as good as uh, as he's showing so far, you know, he would he can only be a positive addition for us. It makes me wonder, like players like you know Foden who on Manchester City every time the guy gets minutes looks good. It feels like someone he he could, you know, put him on pretty much any Bundesliga team and he'd be starting, right? Like getting 90 minutes week in and week out and instead of, you know, 10 minutes here and there or a Carabao Cup game for Manchester City. You know, it feels like England has this incredible crop of young players that if they get the game time you know, it can only benefit England. It can only benefit the clubs and people like Reese Nelson, Jane Sancho, you know, doing well overseas. I think it's just going to, you know, kind of bring a new wave of English players that are now going to go overseas and try their hand uh, on loan spells. It puts pressure, to be honest, on a lot of the top clubs that these uh, young players, because obviously we've talked before on the pod about how England last summer uh, I think previous summers did really well at U21 level, U18 level, U17 level. All of their under, all of their youth teams basically went out and either won a European Championship or the the World Cup. They were excellent. And now with the success of Sancho, of Reese Nelson, and then last season of Mason Mount in Holland, I think just going abroad in general is going to be much less frowned upon, and it's going to present another option to players like. Like Callum Hudson-Odoi is the main one that Chelsea fans are worried about because his contract is up at the end of next season, I think. So he would try to push for a move this summer if he didn't think he was going to get a chance at Chelsea. And the Bundesliga is now a legitimate option because my young player, who you already mentioned, was uh, Jaden Sancho. Big fan of his ever, ever since he was at Manchester City. There was even like a thought in he's, my mind. He's eight assists in the league this year, which is He's, he's, he's doing excellently, but... When he was at Manchester Champions City, League. he was part of that uh, that same class with Foden, with uh, Brahim Diaz, uh, who, who's currently supposedly looking to move away from Manchester City. He's another one that's uh, kind of upset with his lack of opportunities. Sancho saw City go out and get Bernardo Silva, Leroy Sané, and he thought to himself, I, I'm never going to get a chance here. I need to make a move. And he, he was the first one, basically, that made the permanent move away from England. And he made it to the perfect club. Dortmund are everyone knows they're willing to play young players, give them opportunities. Started coming off the bench at the in the second half of last season and playing really, really well. Kept doing that at the start of the season and started producing goals and assists and just contributing to Dortmund overall as a team, playing really well. We talked about how well they're doing in the league. Now he's moved into the starting lineup and he just had an excellent performance against Bayern Munich. I'm a huge fan of his and wouldn't be surprised to see him come back to the Premier League in the next year or two. But I would probably advise he stays there, keeps playing Champions League, keeps playing tons of minutes in the Bundesliga until he gets to... I don't know to, why he'd come back for, for a while. I'd stay in the Bundesliga for a couple of years. If yeah, I think he should stay till he's like 22, 23. Really I mean, gets, he, should be get, he should be getting a new contract at the end of the season. He already so. got a new contract. He got a new Did contract okay. a couple of weeks ago because... Yeah, I mean, because he's them. clearly a better player than what everyone thought he was going to be. Right, so. he's not. He doesn't deserve a youth player salary. He's on the uh, a key contributor to the top team in Germany right now. Your player, you'd like to see Arsenal sign? Who's that in the Bundesliga? There wasn't one that I was like really stuck out at me, but like I said earlier, I would take Luka Jovic, a twenty-year-old striker, top of the top of the goal scoring charts, and you know, looks to be how would he like help? He's going to be a future though? star. He's just he would I would take him over someone like Danny Welbeck as my third string striker. Um, 
I think he's better than probably Eddie and Katia uh, are, you know, who would be our fourth string right now. So, you know, I think he would just he would be someone who I'd be willing to maybe take a little gamble on and see if someone like Emery could improve and, and get him some more game game time. Yeah, my pick is going to be Thorgan Hazard, who wah, is probably wah. a little it's probably a little uh, more well known than Luka Jovic. He's a bit more established at uh, Mönchengladbach than Jovic has been at Frankfurt. But, you know, Chelsea used to own him. They sold him to Borussia Mönchengladbach. There's tons we of... We know how much Chelsea love buying their old players back. There's there's tons of rumors about a possible buyback clause that we included when we sold him. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, Willian, Pedro, they're not getting any younger. Obviously, it would be a huge influence to keep Eden Hazard at Chelsea. If you saw Chelsea go out and get Thorgan Hazard in January... I would probably put like a decent amount of money on Eden Hazard resigning because he'd be playing playing good football under a top up up and coming manager in Maurizio Sarri. He's got his brother playing on the right wing while he plays on the left. It's it's a match made in heaven. It would be perfect, don't you think? Do yeah, you, you would love that, wouldn't you? Yeah, we, I would love that. <laughs> You'd be so happy. Ingolo yeah. resigns. Eden resigns. Chelsea fans would be in heaven. Well, Angolo is going to resign, Javier. I told you that already. He's uh, he's about to resign. <laughs> Let's move on to Syria, Italy. This might be the boring league when it comes to. Actually, no, that's France. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say it might Syria might have replaced Germany as like the boring league where we know what's going to happen every single year. Uh, but that that trophy will obviously stay with France. Juventus have drawn one game and won every other game. They've played. They currently have 34 points, sitting top, six points clear of Napoli on 28, Inter Milan close behind in 25, and then there's a little drop-off as Lazio, Milan, and Roma make up the remainder of the top six. Obviously, only the top four get Champions League places there. So there's a good race to at least uh, pay attention to going into the season, uh, or going through the rest of the season. AC Milan didn't start off very well, but uh, of late, they've uh, before the Juve loss they suffered before the international break, they won two or three games right at the death from uh, Alessio Romanogli goals. Two games in a row, he scored the winning goal in the 90, 90 plus minutes. So Yeah, he's been a monster for them this season. The new Sergio Ramos, maybe? No? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Just in terms of his late goal scoring ability. I'll, uh, and his I'll, defensive I'll ability. I mean, he, he's he a good player, the game. For sure. He's really, but, really good. But there, there are certain defenders who have a knack for scoring important goals at important times. So that's a good quality to have. Let's jump down to our young player from Syria that we want to talk about. Javier, uh, who are you going to yeah, pick? Yeah, I have um, Chengiz Under. I don't Sengiz know if I said Under. that correctly. Chengiz Under. Chengiz. Uh, the Turkish 21-year-old. He's got uh, four goals and four assists in all competitions for Roma this season. Scored a wonder goal earlier in the season. And he's looked uh, really good, actually getting game minutes on a on a good Roma side. And um, you know Roma haven't been great this year, but he's been one of the bright spots for them. And I think he he's a player to look at going forward as uh, you know a very bright prospect and probably the future of, of Turkish football. So I you know I would I am gonna keep a close eye on him and I think he's 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 gonna shine this season in Syria. Yeah, he of course burst onto the scene late last year and uh, yeah he hasn't slowed down. Roma have kind of struggled, but uh, you, you kind of feel like they're getting back in back into it now. I think they just beat Sampdoria four one, which is no mean feat. Uh, my young player, he's not that young, so I feel bad about it. 
but he hasn't gotten that much time uh, to really prove himself at the top level yet because of an injury he just picked up. It's Mattia Caldara, who recently signed for AC Milan as part of the deal that saw Leonardo Bonucci go back to Juve. Milan got uh, Higuain on loan with a, an obligation to buy at the end of the season, and they got Caldara, I think, permanently. And he's a young-ish, 23, 24-year-old uh, Italian center back who's been playing for Atalanta the last couple of years before uh, Juve bought him from Atalanta. They even loaned him back to Atalanta to sort of like groom him a bit more. And he's pretty much, he's the heir apparent to Giorgio Chiellini. He's just that leader figurehead in your back line who's going to defend really well, not give away possession and marshal your defense, which obviously there's a, a pipeline of those kinds of defenders. You can think of like Daniel Rugani also at Juventus. Uh, coming out of Italy, but Caldara is one that's really that really stands out. And if I think there's going to be a decent amount of teams, if uh, namely Juve, if he comes back from this injury and plays well for the rest of the season, and Milan don't like necessarily really need him because they already have Romanogli, who we talked about, and uh, a couple other uh, uh, Musacchio, who they uh, the Argentine defender. They may sell him back to Juve. He may end up uh, playing really at the top level and being one of like the re- the great center backs of this generation from Italy. Uh, and then I'd also just say quickly Federico Chiesa from Fiorentina. He's a player that's been linked to Chelsea also, but he's a nice young player. Who would you take from Syria at Arsenal? Who's the player that stands out to you that you they make us better? Well, I was going to say um, Suso, who's 25-year-old right winger, has a magical left foot. He plays at AC Milan, but... He is kind of a – I mean, he, he has a really nice left foot. He's good at set pieces and, and he's good at, at through balls. But actually, I would I would take another player, another one of his teammates, Frank Kessie. Um, I would – he I think he would be really good in the midfield next to uh, Torreira and possibly Xhaka in a three-man midfield. And you don't I think that's would, a bit too like, like clunky of a midfield, like not really mobile enough? Possibly, I'd take Jacques out and maybe right. maybe add someone else. Maybe if I had Sergio Roberto, Sergio Roberto, <laughs> Kessie, and Torreira, that'd be a great Arsenal midfield. But now I'm uh, I would I would take uh, either Suso or I would take Suso, Romanogli, or Kessie. I think all of those players are are good. Probably the three best players in Milan, and I would take any of them um, at Arsenal. Suso has been linked with a move to Chelsea to sort of balance. The uh, right wing with uh, the left wing of Eden Hazard. I would be I would be optimistic if so we signed they him. give you Suso and you give them Bakayoko and a hundred million. We'll give them uh, we'll give them Bakayoko and. Cesc well, you Fabregas. have to pay them extra for we'll like them you have to Cesc. pay them. Bakayoko doesn't add anything to the deal. It it you're paying them to take him. He's been he's been playing well for AC Milan the last couple of games. They've started <laughs> they've started to figure out how to play him. Which oh, they love the Yoko. Credit to Gino Gattuso for figuring that one out because I don't know many other managers that could. Uh, my uh, player I'd like at Chelsea is João Cancelo from uh, Juve. Oof, he's been a beast this season. He's he's one of like I just think Chelsea need a, a really good energetic right back who's. Not one-dimensional because right he's now he's been one of the best players on Inter and probably one of the best players in the entire league this year. Well, he played for Inter last season. Uh, he was on loan from Sevilla. I want to say went back to Sevilla after his loan ended, and then Juve liked what they saw from him. At Inter. He was Valencia. Uh, Valencia, Valencia. Sure, I yeah. get mixed up. Like they liked what they saw of him uh, during his year in Syria. They brought him back, and he's 
he's been dominant. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't have to play Mattia De Siglio at right back anymore. <laughs> so they win. Yeah, massive he's, upgrade. He's not a realistic option. I don't think he's going to leave Juve uh, for a while now. He'll probably be there for the remainder of like the good years of his career. But he's someone that I would really like to balance out that right wing, uh, that right wing back spot at Chelsea with Marcus Alonso on the left. Let's jump down to France. Not much to talk about uh, other than, obviously, PSG dominating, uh, even though there were pretty significant injuries to Kylian Mbappe and Neymar today in their international friendlies. So that Ugh. puts that puts a doubt on their Champions League hopes. That, that Mbappe injury hurt me because I've had the dislocations shoulder. in my shoulder, and yeah. I'm almost sure he dislocated his shoulder that that looked really, really nasty. I didn't see the Neymar injury, so I have no idea how bad that one could or could not that be. That one, they said, was a thigh injury, so he could realistically be back um, in eight days, but I've, there's no way Mbappe plays in that game. Right. I mean, Salah, so had, Salah didn't that, even I mean, have a game, dislocation. That and game is Sa- against Liverpool at home in the Champions League in a very tight group at the moment. I just want to put yeah. that out there for anyone who doesn't know. But, I mean, they do have Julian Draxler, who I know he is they have good players. It's not like they're gonna, um, you know, just fall short and not have someone who can play uh, to replace someone like Mbappe. But you're right. I mean, that's gonna be a big miss and um, definitely gonna be a dash for their hopes. But I think it's not gonna affect them at all in the league. It's pretty incredible seeing a team. We were talking about this before the pod. Thirteen zero and zero, thirty nine points. You know. Plus thirty something goal difference. I mean, they've just been blowing teams out five, six, seven, eight, nil. Just, just gross. I mean, this team, this team could definitely be an invincibles in the league this year. Yeah, I'm I gonna mean, come back. They're not gonna, gonna be perfect. To they're gonna drop points, but yeah, I'm gonna come back to PSG in a little bit because uh, you have one of their players for your young player. Uh, but let's just uh, run through the league real quick. Uh, Lille, Montpellier, and Lyon make up the remainder of the top four. Uh, Lille and second are in there, yeah, yeah. Lille yeah. and second are thirteen points behind PSG. <laughs> Just to make it clear how big the gap Ugh. is right now, uh, twelve games into the season, maybe thirteen, uh, four and a half games difference. <laughs> and crazy. Marseille are having a relatively bad start to their season. They're in sixth place uh, on twenty-two points, but still in the discussion to get back into the Champions League next year. Uh, but they've they've got five losses already, which really stands out among the rest of these teams as to uh, their overall form this year. But no one can beat AS Monaco when it comes to the conversation of most disappointing team. Because since we last talked to you about AS Monaco, they have dropped from 18th place. The uh, I think it, I think 18th place doesn't get relegated. It goes to a playoff. So uh, that wasn't automatic relegation place. But now they're in 19th, an automatic relegation place. They have seven points They've won once, lost eight times, got a couple draws in there too. Thierry Henry has uh, came in for Leo Jardim. Still winless, yeah. Still winless, still hasn't been <sighs> able to figure out anything. I mean, let's be honest here. When a team gets torn apart like that team did, I mean, do you think any of the players there are like, oh yeah, like I'm proud to be at AS Monaco. I want to be here. No, one, no one's proud to be at AS Monaco. Right. You're there. I feel like all the players that are there right now are just like, this is a stepping stone. I'm here to like look good and make some money and live in Monaco. And it's probably catching up to them. I mean, that, they can, they couldn't keep that up for forever. And, you know, they've, they've kind of gone through phases like this where they've been terrible for a while. And then they'll like build up their team through like youth and then they'll become good, sell it off. Well, since and they, since they came up cycle. from the second division – 
when the, their 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 current owner bought them when they were in the second division. Since they come up, they haven't been this low. This yeah, they've never been this bad. Season. You're right. This is this is this is a decidedly worse season than they've ever done uh, pulled off before. I agree with you to an extent about the mindset of the team or, or whatever it is being in Monaco, the lifestyle, stuff like that. But you could say the same of a couple other teams. I don't know. I mean, Borussia Dortmund, a lot of players go there just to be like, this is a stepping stone in like, my you don't career. Think all those greatness. players, like they probably wanted Jardim to stay, but then, you know, they just weren't getting the results. And I don't know. It's just like. I mean, it's hard to stay when your entire team gets torn away from you and sold, and you don't get to spend any of that money, basically. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's I'm, the biggest that's the biggest question mark. Like, why didn't they spend a bit more money? Any they, of it, right? They, they made they made anything. plenty of transfers, but it was kind of like it, nickel it was all and like diamond, kids. right? They were just buying like children, and like you know, if they went and bought Yuri Tielmans, who they got a bit overconfident. Yeah, they definitely. thought every every young player we buy turns into Kylian Mbappe or turns into Thomas Lamar. Like that's I mean, they, just what we must, do. The owners must be swimming in money and just not care at all about the club. I mean, that's well, clearly what's going on right now. They're going to so, care if it's they sad continue. For Monaco, but they're going to care if they continue to look like they're going to get relegated because maybe they already made their money, man. Maybe well, no, like the last made, thing the last thing you want when you buy a club in the second division is for them to win the league and then go back down to the second division because then you missed out on an opportunity to sell high. So if they ever want to move on from Monaco, then this is kind of like that Chelsea season, division. you know, a few years ago, pretty similar. You guys were still, what? 19th, 18. You guys were in the relegation zone around Christmas, right? This is something similar. You oh know, they'll gosh. bounce back. Wow. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. We're, we're already running over here. Let's, uh, uh, let's talk about, our young player that we would uh, that we oh, keep an eye on. This guy is phenomenal. Okay, My so God. before before you discuss him, I just want to ask real quickly about PSG. If they played basically like their youth team for the rest of the season, do you think they'd still win the league? Definitely. So like Tim Weah plays every game. Right. Uh, Tim Weah, like Musa Diaby, like... In Kunku, yes, I think they would still Kimpembe. probably win the league. It's a good youth team. It's a really yeah, promising absolutely. youth team and, that they have. And, and you've seen, uh, and I mean, that's what they were playing in preseason. So, and I mean, like, I know that that's not necessarily any like indicator of how they would do in the league in, in the regular season. But I don't know. I think they they they'd put up a fight. Maybe they would. They've got win a thirteen point head start. I feel like they would right. be able to do it. They might be able to. But yeah, Musa Diaby is my young player, 19-year-old center midfielder slash winger striker thing, hybrid. I mean, he's a freak of nature. The guy has dribbling. He can pass. He can shoot. He can defend. He runs up and down the field. Um, Where has he been playing mostly for when, when he's played for PSG? Tuchel's been kind of been jacking, playing him everywhere. You know, the player he's played him on the wing. He's played him mostly in the, in, in center mid um, alongside uh, Di Maria and Verratti, and he's been getting goals and assists from that position. Uh, he's been playing the further of those three with Di Maria a little bit further behind him and. He sometimes drifts out to the wing. He's he's he takes on players. He defends well. I don't know. I think this is going to be a monstrous player uh, for PSG in the future, and you'll you'll see a lot more of him this season. Here he has four goals and eight assists in all competitions. Which eight for a player that crazy eight assists for a player that you've never heard of, you know, before this year is uh, is very very impressive. Now, then again, 
you know, like you said, they're romping the league. So how much of that comes from, you know, those six, seven, eight nils that they've won? It remains to be seen. But again, he's one that I would keep my eye on. Yeah, that, just talking more generally about that PSG uh, academy that's producing these players, the involvement of players like Diaby and Nkunku and players like that, mostly in midfield, I, I, is really making me start to believe that Rabiot is like destined to leave at the end of the season. Because there's been a lot of times where he's selected, Tuchel has selected one of the youth players alongside Verratti and Di Maria, like you said. And you just thought, wow, how is Rabiot not getting in this team? And the only right. answer seems to be he's trying to develop these guys so they're ready when Rab- that Rabiot isn't an option anymore. He's not going to waste his time getting Rabiot like, used to his system and everything like that. He'll just use him when he needs to. So uh, my young player is Ismail Sar from Stade Rennais. He's a winger. You might recognize him from the Senegal team at the uh, World Cup. He was one of the bright young uh, prospects that people sort of sat up and hadn't seen before until the World Cup and thought that he shone pretty brightly next to the likes of Sadio Mane and Keita Balde Jao from that, from that team. He's got four goals and an assist already. Uh, Renes aren't exactly killing it in the league this year. But when I've watched them, he stood out to me. He's, he's a pacey left winger. Solid right foot probably needs to work on his uh, his finishing ability a little bit more. But four goals in the first twelve or thirteen games of the season is a is a good start. And he's I think he's only something like nineteen or twenty years old, so he's got plenty of development developing to do. Who is a player from League One that you would like at Arsenal? There's two that I have in mind. Uh, one is Yuri Tielmans, who I mentioned earlier, um, twenty one years old. He plays center mid for Monaco. They are in 19th place, but he does have three goals and three assists. And he's been, I think, the only real bright spot for them in that entire team. And a team that's playing terribly for him to be the top goal scorer, to have the most assists, to have the highest passing rate, the most tackles, most interceptions. I mean, the guy's basically a one-man team. Um, And I think it's unfair to judge him. He's just Um, not doing a good job of being a one-man team. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's unfair to judge him based on that because... You know, I think if you surround him with good players, he's he's going to be a much better player. And sometimes just his ability on the ball, his passing ability, his shooting, it, it's absolutely amazing. And um, I would love to see him at a bigger club. And as far as Furlan Mendy, uh, he's a left back who plays on Lyon. He just got his first France cap last, uh, I think, yesterday. Today. Or was it today? Today. It's Uruguay, yeah. And um, Pacey left back. He's looked really good for Lyon uh, this season and last season. And we really need a left back. And he's been actually linked with us to possibly make a move in January. So, yeah, that would be that would be a great signing for us. And I wouldn't mind either one of those two. What about you, Alex? See, I feel bad about this. Okay, maybe Thomas Munier goes into the same category as like Yuri Tielemans because they're both like pretty well-known players. But I, I'm just going along the same vein as Zhao Cancelo. I feel like Chelsea need a good attacking option at right back because Aspilicueta oh, has really struggled. He's really struggled to sort of fill that overlapping role on the right wing. I wouldn't mind seeing Aspilicueta switch back to also, center back. I feel back. like Menuhir would be kind of like a new, your new Ivanovic. He would just be like a marauding right back physical yeah. presence. I mean, we'd have a pieces. we'd have a left back and a right back who can't defend for shit, but they'll get forward and score plenty of goals. And you know, if you're going to dive into a new identity as an attacking possession team, why not have two of the best like attacking wing backs on both sides of the field playing off of the likes of Hazard and William and Pedro, allowing them to come uh, centrally a little bit more. 
I've always been a big fan of Munier, another Belgian to add to the uh, to the squad to keep Eden happy. Yeah. You know, we, keep we Eden were, happy. We're losing our Belgian quota recently. Uh, you know, over the years we've sold Lukaku and De Bruyne. Tebow, and, uh, Michis and, might not might not be there exactly. next year. Exactly. You know, we need the Belgian mafia back in because the Spanish mafia is just it's taken over so far. We need more Belgians. Sign more Belgians. Thorgan Hazard, Munier, all of them. Just make Eden happy. Keep him at the club. That's going to wrap it up for the Continental Catch-Up. Javier, thanks for being here, man. Had a couple of technical difficulties while we were doing this one, but uh, we we troopered through, soldiered through, and got it done. Uh, Enjoy your Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Ghost Gold Pod. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at ASMoss. Javier's Instagram is at JaviArev9. Andrew's obviously at Andrew Passaro on both Instagram and Twitter. At Ghost Gold Pod, of course. And until next time... See you.